Hey folks, it is Friday, August 25th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. Welcome to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Games, for many of us, are a passion. They're something that we spend tons of waking hours thinking about, and they're also ways that we share experiences with others. They're ways that we engage in new worlds. But for me, I also have to remember sometimes that games are a form of self-care. Frequently, people, particularly folks who are not gamers, like to write up games as this sort of obnoxious technological force that detaches, detaches us from humanity and is a brain drain. I remember that phrase from the 90s or the 2000s. And for me, I tend to find that if I'm getting too run down, playing a good video game is a way to get me back up. Now, I think for a while I tried to do this by playing games like Heroes of the Storm or Overwatch, and if I'm playing those with the right people, it can be kind of restorative. But I remembered last night as I played Strider, which is a, um, it's, it's an older game from this generation, uh, based on a Capcom franchise about this fast-moving ninja. Uh, it's been sitting on my PlayStation 4, just installed. And I was feeling kind of run down. So I was like, I think I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to play this game for a little bit. And it was amazing how after a couple hours, even though it was two in the morning by the time I was done, I felt much better. I think that there's something about single player gaming, about playing in a space where we can turn ourselves down a bit, that is really powerful. I spend a lot of time doing networking and talking to people and coordinating and organizing groups and issuing communications. So I think that there was something about playing Strider in the same way that playing Apotheon last week helped to bring me back a little bit. I think maybe where the self-care comes from is not just playing games, but just taking time for myself. There are any number of ways that we have to learn how to take care of ourselves as we go through and do the work that we do. Particularly, when we're talking about issues of mental health that can come into play with depression or anxiety, it becomes even more important to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. I actually went to the gym for the, in this morning for the first time in over a year. And though I'm sure I'm going to regret that decision tomorrow as all of my muscles ache, today I feel better. I do feel a little more ready to take on the day. And I don't just credit the gym with that. I credit the gaming too. I realized something as I was thinking about the next few weeks. I have virtually no idea what games are coming out. Like I used to I used to have it like a map in my head where on any given Tuesday I had this mind of two or three or four new games that were coming out. 
Some of them I'd be interested in and some of them I weren't. But it was almost like clockwork. And now I feel like my relationship to games has changed. I'm excited when a game comes out, I just don't necessarily know when it's going to be. I think a part of my life used to revolve around particular titles coming out, and I am still super excited about some games in particular. Destiny 2, the new Life is Strange miniseries, Dragon Ball Fighters, or Dragon Ball Fighter Z. I don't, I don't know how that's pronounced. So there are games out there that I am excited about, but I'm finding that maybe it's because there are so many games now to pay attention to that it, I'm paying less attention to an individual one. Maybe it's also because a lot of what I anticipate in games, the things that make me really excited about them, come out of the indie space. And the indie space doesn't have that same marketing machine consistently that the AAA space does with TV commercials and GameStop promos. And also probably has something to do with me not going into GameStop that much anymore. But I wonder how this... Is this a result of just me getting older? I do think that some of it has to do with my changing relationship with games being a journalist and being exposed to a ton of different titles and trying to keep up on the general pace of the industry as opposed to sitting down and really getting invested in games like I used to. I remember talking to a friend of mine back when I used to work for that healthcare IT company that I've referenced a couple times here on Intelligame Radio. She was also a really big gamer and I would talk about trying to find ways to channel my passion into my work. And she specifically said that she did not want to channel her passion into her work. That once her passion became work, it wouldn't be the same. I feel like we argued back and forth about this a little bit. But I have to admit that as I embark further into this career, I feel like there's a lot of truth in what she was saying. My relationship with games is not the same as it was when it was a pure leisure activity. Something that I could just do to unwind. This is now an industry that I want to help foster, that I want to help grow, that I'm keeping a pulse on, and there's practically never a time that I'm playing a game that I'm not evaluating it, thinking about its social contexts, wondering is this appropriate to stream on Intelligame, are there ways that I can talk to developers? Um, there are gears in my head that now turn with games consistently, that maybe did not turn that way when I had other work. Sometimes I wonder if this is something that I would write up as a positive. And I think that even if there are those moments where I'm not sure, where things feel a little dicey, more often than not, the answer is yes. Like, it was worth it. I love being able to spend time with people who make the games that I care about. I love having conversations about how to make this ecosystem better and stronger and tell more people's stories. And I don't think that I would be able to have gotten to that level if I wasn't willing to put some of my casual love on the line. And perhaps this is what happens in every passion, right? Um, this is a little bit of what was referenced in Walt Williams' Crunch article from yesterday, that as artists, as we invest ourselves into something, 
It takes a piece of us and changes us in a way that sometimes feels for the worse, but in many many cases can result to be for the better. Finding a balance is obviously key. And this is not advocating crunch. <laughs> I'm just saying that I feel like as I do more reflection and also as I get older and think more about the legacy I want to leave on my friends and my family and the world, these kinds of discussions become more relevant. All right, folks, we are going to go on midday break which means it's time for our question of the day. This is a pretty easy one, and I would love to hear what was your favorite childhood game? Whether it was a video game, a board game, a card game, maybe it was one of those games that people play outside. I hear that people do that sometimes. <laughs> what was your favorite childhood game? If you're listening to this, then you're listening here on Anchor. These segments generally I try to exclude them from the podcast because the podcast is posted the day after, so of course there's no way to participate. But uh, if you are listening to this segment, I would love for you to call in using that anchor call in button and just tell me a bit about your favorite childhood game. You may be able to find yourself here on Intelligame Radio on air. Looking forward to talking to you after midday break. Uh, if you are driving home soon, or something like that. Travel safe. I'll talk to you soon. We're back with an answer to our question of the day. What was your favorite childhood game? Simon over at Simon Says has a contribution. And it's more traditional. Which is also really cool. It's a game that I used to enjoy as a kid as well. My favorite game when I was growing up was called... Kick, can, and hop it. Kick, can, and hop it. Kick, can, kick, can, and hop it. <laughs> and basically, uh, you would, somebody would have to stand near like um, a metal pot. All the rest would go and hide. Then the person would have to go and find people. If they found the person, they had to run back to the pot, touch it, and say the person's name. If anybody else got back, and kick the can again, and say kick can and hop it, everybody would hide again. It was, you know, this was in the 80s, uh, misspent youth and all that lot, but then were the days, then were the days you see before mobile phones, internet, chat rooms, social media, computers, I need not go on. Hey Simon, thanks for that call in. I spent a decent amount of time playing kick the can as well. We, we didn't have the hot part involved in the title, but... It was something that we would play in my friend's backyard, and they had a bunch of open space and places for us to hide. I was never particularly good at it. I was never a fast runner. I had asthma. I just couldn't really keep up like the other uh, the other kids could. And we would do other things outside too. We'd play baseball. We'd play tackle football. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, tackle American football. <laughs> any any number of different ways that we would spend time outside but I think I always gravitated to indoor games perhaps at least in some part due to the not having to feel like I was naturally slower or less able if I thought back to a game from childhood that 
really took me in. I've talked about Final Fantasy IV before. I think... Gosh, now that I'm now that I'm sitting here thinking back, there's so many options. I think the first game that I remember, I distinctly remember seeing and playing, and one that has actually here's a better one. A uh, game that has always kind of resonated for me is Banjo Kazooie for the Nintendo 64. This is uh, a game that I got not too long after I got the console. I, I got it a little later in its life cycle, but I got it for Christmas for my parents and was super excited. Banjo-Kazooie is this, uh, what we now call a collect -em all adventure. You play as this bear banjo with a obnoxious talking bird on your back, Kazooie, and you run through these, these 3D worlds completing missions and trying to collect all the items that are in these worlds. There are musical notes that there are a hundred of. There are these mystical floating spirits called Jinjos that there are five of that are hiding in different places. And each of the worlds are really different. There's a there's like a desert a large desert landscape and there's a ice winter space with giant animated blocks of ice that chase you and try to attack you there's uh, the bubble gloop swamp and but what was always iconic to me was like the music and the attitude of this light-hearted kind of bouncy attitude um, and the music still sticks in my head to this day actually they re-released the game for the xbox 360 and then the xbox one and i found that i remembered a lot of the soundtracks even if i didn't remember the actual moments of gameplay or how to satisfy some of the objectives Another game was released by many of the folks who worked on Banjo-Kazooie called Yuka Lele, Y-O-O-K-A-L-A-Y-L-E-E, -E. and it's a game that's meant to be a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie, but since Team 17 doesn't have the intellectual property rights to do another Banjo-Kazooie, um, that's probably part of how that happened. And that game retains a lot of the spirit and lighthearted nature and color of Banjo-Kazooie while trying to make some modernizing tweaks. It hits and misses in some places, but I did find that it kind of scratched that same itch. Anyway, thank you for that call-in, and yeah, let's, let's keep playing games, especially ones that bring us back to our childhood. Alright folks, I think that does it for us today. It's been a pleasure as always. I'm your host, Josh Boykin, and you can find me on Twitter at WallStormer. Next big event on the Intelligame timeline is PAX West, the Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle, Washington. We're going to be spending four days up there meeting some game creators, playing some games, and overall talking with really awesome people. I'm looking forward to using Anchor to relay that information. If you are listening to this on your favorite podcasting app, uh, whether you're using Pocket Casts or iTunes or Google Play Music, you're probably a little confused by the question of the day. Uh, and you also get these updates the day after the actual segments are recorded. So if you want to be in on the know, if you want to answer the question of the day, if you want to hear from the PAX show floor right as those segments are being created, go ahead and download Anchor. It's a free app on Google Play and iOS. You can find IntelliGame over at IntelliGame.us. Keep in mind that we've got the IntelliGame newsletter that's going to be coming out tomorrow. If you go over to tinyletter.com slash letsintelligame, 
you can sign up for that and make sure you get your edition of IntelliGame Recap. Also, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Twitter or Facebook.com slash Let's IntelliGame. And of course, we're on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Let's IntelliGame. And also, don't forget that IntelliGame is sponsored by listeners like you. So if you are interested in helping the work that happens at IntelliGame continue, consider being a patron. There's some great patron rewards, and it also helps keep this ship afloat. So head over to patreon.com slash let's IntelliGame if that's something you're interested in. Anyway, have a great one, folks, and we will talk soon. Keep IntelliGaming.